0: It's gonna be slow today, so yeah. Hello, you all, and welcome to the organic orchardy. That's not even a word, but it is today. Orchard like, um,
1: orgasmic.
0: Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> Obs- obscene, obsessive,
1: huh. ostentatious,
0: ergonomically, yeah. yeah, not correct,
1: outgoing. Oh. Mm
0: and oh wait, that's on that's you um obvious shit <laughs> <laughs> world life of a dancer we are moving in slow today yeah we are welcome
2: uh-huh and who are you
0: i am this really hot blue inhuman from shield
2: yeah
3: and i'm your hot obgyn oh my god
0: <laughs> no you okay and this is... The Dance Union, Union Podcast. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> and today...
0: Yuck.
3: We are joined today by a wonderful guest. Please introduce yourself.
1: <laughs> my name is Catherine Kavine, <laughs> Um And uh, I use she, her, they, them pronouns. And um, I thought I knew what I was getting into, but after that <laughs> introduction, I this might go anywhere. It just is. really will. Anywhere. Every and I, I like it. We can go anywhere as an adagio. Oh, right. is- Yeah. Yes, this let is it be slow. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's today.
3: Yes. How are you doing today, Catherine?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's I'm a professor and it's the end of the semester, so mm-hmm. I'm on my very last threads. Um, All right. But there's there's some joy because there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. yes. As much as there's a fatigue is as this, well. Yes.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is this the, is this day the last day or is this week the last week?
1: Uh, actually, next week is the last next week. week. Okay, cool.
3: so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whew, it, but I
1: saw that countdown early. I've been counting down since Thanksgiving break. That's actually, wh- I feel like
3: that's when it officially starts. Yeah, it's yeah. like, all right, so everyone, you know what the what the task is before us. Mm-hmm. We all know that we are mm-hmm. running on fumes. Let's- yeah,
0: we're just taking up space at this point. <laughs> I,
3: and I really appreciated the professors <laughs> and the teachers that came in just as tired as we did because mm-hmm. that kind of validated, like, oh, so I'm not just making this mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. teachers that were real perky, like, all right, everyone, we have one. I'm like, you know, you were doing a little bit too much mm-hmm.
0: for me right now. <laughs> Damn.
3: <laughs> How are you doing, Melanie?
0: I'm extremely understimulated. All right. So that's where I am. That's real. I was at home all morning doing admin work that probably oh, did it. Yeah, yeah, that'll blow your with brain. With the rain. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm happy Ooh. to be here to hope to fully be mid stimulated. Yeah. You know? And
3: honestly, your color palette looks amazing today. Really? Yeah, this is new. It's the, the hair and the jump look like the color palette, and the hair and jump looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah.
0: I I wasn't sure. does it? I second that. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all. I mean,
3: mm-hmm. it's like, it's one of those things that you have a nice jewel tone with an earth tone that always goes well together.
0: That's what's so up. Yeah.
3: I appreciate
2: you.
0: So, I, wait. What? Jay. Huh? How are you?
3: I'm fine. I feel, Oh my gosh, I'm wearing like five different hats today because I like woke up this morning, after being up really late last night, and then I went to the airport to go rent a car because I have to go to Jersey for a rehearsal, but then my rehearsal time was truncated, meaning like, they emailed me, was like, oh hey, rehearsal, your residency, we can't have you be in the studio today, so I had to negotiate to have them let me in in the evening, which means my rehearsal, I was supposed to be in the morning, got pushed into the afternoon after I picked up the car, and then I had to go drop off my friend that I was rehearsing with, come here, find parking forgot that parking is hell in this city so i was like whoa and after this i'm gonna go run to pick up some more people to go to jersey rehearse do the dramaturg thing because i'm rehearsing with dramaturg make sure the piece looks good drop those people back off come back home and drop off the car tomorrow morning
4: a
1: dancer's life a
3: dancer's life right oh it's living the dream i I
1: shed a tear a little
0: bit inside (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a lot it's a
3: it's a lot, mm-hmm. and it's and it it would not have been a lot if just simply if you know just somebody was like, hey, you know, um, you could rehearse in your residency as you were awarded the residency,
0: right? In the time that we talked about and in planned, the time. this is why Can that you is move so your important. hmm
3: Yeah. Um. The um. It is so important because it really was just you're fine. Yeah. I think it was really that um. They gave me two days. It was like I found this out on Saturday, like Saturday evening. I got the email. It was like, hey, by the way. December 9th and 10th, uh, studio's not available. And I was like, okay, all right. So $70 later after renting a car and mm. probably a little bit more after gas and mm. all that other stuff. And parking. And, and parking. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Wow.
2: Yep.
3: I pulled into a place that told me parking for like two hours is gonna be $24. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just run her. How do I get out of here? I was hitting all kinds of 17 point turns to get out of that. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. Not today. <laughs> not today.
0: Oof. i only do vip parking so y- you can either always have me in mind or have me in the car what i mean? only i only do vip meaning i will always find that very close space i will you know what i mean like i will i'm patient okay because free is good for me it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: it is mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i don't want to have a car in this city i realize like i don't want to own a car
1: it's good to rent one and figure that out
0: it, yes
2: seventy
1: dollars is less than seventy thousand to buy one
0: Mm. <laughs> all right you better speak it i want a car so bad though y'all but i want to have a partner that we can negotiate the um responsibilities of it like mm-hmm. a baby yeah. yeah so like yeah because i a just giant want a metal baby a that's giant yeah <laughs> that's what i want i'm gonna put it on my passion second. planner because you know, I I miss the freedom of getting and going when I get good and damn ready. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, right, that so, is a
3: nice one. I feel that, but I I don't want, to. but I'm I'm still at the point where I don't want to trade that freedom for being able to nap in transit. That's very valuable. Do you know me.
0: what? I'm getting kind of nervous <laughs> of napping in transit. Actually, I, and you
3: should be. Like you, I don't. Yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah, we don't work. Rec- I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. But I do it, and I I I'm think I'm gonna have to stop.
1: I read in transit. Yes, I love that. Can you nap in transit? No.
0: I wish I could be like that. Any anything that's moving, any kind of vehicle moving, it it actually puts me to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just thinking about how, like, I'm only half asleep. But I'm like, if anyone wanted to do anything weird while I have my eyes closed, throw something on my face. There's like all these other things people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: That's real.
0: It's better to have your eyes open so you can check out behavior oh definitely patterns. I don't know
3: why I don't know what I do I just I cross my heart and I just because like I think ever s- I've been <laughs> I've been on a bus for like two hours to and fro since like sophomore year of high school so I've I think I just built up a capacity to be in the liminal space between like actual sleep and Same. being alert and awake so like I have a weird bubble around me when like something shifts in the atmosphere I know how to be like hmm what's going on peak Yeah, open. or you have your you
0: hold your bag a certain way that if anyone touches yep. it in the slightest that you can yep. feel it
3: and I don't actually mm-hmm. ever miss my stop I think that's the base that's the that's where I feel confident in sleeping in transit that yeah. I actually never miss my stop
1: that's amazing
0: yeah. yeah yeah. I fell asleep on a greyhound which is totally not recommended no because you missed the thing no I didn't miss anything but like I went to sleep with someone looking at me weird and woke oh. up with them still looking at me but I was like I'm so sleepy I can't help it <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> Catherine,
3: can you give us a transition step that we were doing the lobby to locomotives from one physical space to the next or from one state of being to the next. Hey um, for our history for the future section History for the future section Wow yeah. that's hard to say fast.
1: So we need we need some form of locomotion mm-hmm. yeah. here. Um, chasse ball change layout. Yes. I have, we have not Honey, done the layout. you gonna
0: stretch before we do that.
1: That's no, no, <laughs> how so you warmed up. All right, <laughs> right?
3: Now I like a layout, so I will.
1: No, chassé, I like a layout, too.
3: Let's all lay out together.
1: Lay out. Chassé. But not on public transportation. Nah. <laughs> yes. Touche.
3: So let us chasse ball change into a lay, layout into our, Next session was we'll our history for our future. Future. Future.
0: Future. 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 Great. So today we're gonna talk about Andre. Oh, Bop and Andre. And let me just say, I tried to. I tried to do a lot of research on this uh, fella, and there are a lot of videos on YouTube, so you should check them out. But there's no wiki page. There's no long like bio anywhere. So some of the content I found came from an interview that he did. But he is known for bopping, which is not popping, all, right. all right? Let's all be right. clear. Mm-hmm. But understand that they both come from the robot. Uh, and he originated in L.A., a uh, street performer. And so I'm just going to share this one quote that he offered in this um, interview, which says, also he has he has like a couple of complications with um, the term OG, but that's explained in this article by Liquid Metal Dance. Um and he says, I'm an L.A. O.G., or so I claim. I was not the first to pop. Others did it before me from different areas around L.A. County. But to my knowledge, I was the only South Central L.A. cat. Big deal. You from South Central L.A.? Yes. That's
3: where I'm from. Go ahead.
0: I am the originator. Not of the robot, not of popping, but of the combo deal. bopping. Okay. All right, so y'all should Google this. It's uh, like he
3: said he's the inventor of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like I didn't invent peanut butter or jelly, but I was the first to put it together. Yeah, I gave you the sandwich on some bread, right? Yeah. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, and that article came from. It's like a convert It's a combo with Bob and Andre.
3: That's nice. I think we do need to have more. Oh, this is a longer conversation that we will be having on the podcast about how we record the history of people who exist in realms of dance that aren't in the proscenium.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as YouTube is concerned, the yeah. archive is is pretty extensive. It's nice. Yeah. but Yeah, because I mean, street
3: performers are are dope and in ways somewhat argue that they are existing in one of the most purest forms of sharing and delivering dance mm-hmm. just out in front. For the people to engage with and or not.
0: Yeah, right. So.
3: Yeah. Okay, more check of that. Out. More of that. More, more, more. Mm-hmm. Let's check out Boppin' Andre. Mm-hmm. Yup. His name is Andre. That's one of my favorite names.
0: It's not poppin'. It's boppin'. 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 <laughs> boppin'.
3: <laughs> so we have Catherine in the studio today to talk about a very wonderful topic, which is to talk about, actually, mm, yeah, Catherine can you introduce it because I don't want to mess up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <you tell> us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about the power of dance in unexpected places. There it is. That's
3: a wonderful. Yep. Okay.
1: That's what we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, yeah. I've I've had a really incredible uh 14 weeks, mm-hmm. um, teaching as part of a college program that is run inside a women's prison, mm-hmm. and um, as a dance teacher. One of the things I had to do first to be a part of this program is to create um, a course that would work in the general education curriculum mm-hmm. uh, that involved dance, because yeah. I think that dance is incredibly empowering in numerous ways that we will dig into. Um, and that's something that I uh, know a lot about, have a lot of love for, and really wanted to share. Um, And uh, the process uh, has been really interesting Um, and uh, part of the context that's really important though is the fact that this class is part of a college degree program, which I think is one of the most fantastic things that is happening in some prisons Mm -hmm. at this point is that there are actual opportunities to gain an education and reform and think about all kinds of new things. Personally, I am a huge advocate for our bodies being a Mm -hmm. part of that education Mm -hmm. and not it just being about running around in our minds, Um, which is why all of the classes that I teach uh, have embodied components to them. And um, what's been really exciting for me this semester is that uh, I teach at – very elite liberal arts college on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and I am teaching in this prison, and I'm teaching the same class, both yes. places. Fantastic.
4: Yeah.
1: Ooh, I have a question. Yeah. May I? Bring it. So how do you um,
0: approach, like, um, building community in both of those spaces? Like, and what are the differences? And, and and also, when I mean community, I'm thinking of trust.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely one of the most interesting thing that's come out of both of these um, courses. Uh, I have to teach them very differently for many Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of the context here also is that um, the class focuses specifically on um, African and African diasporic dance in America. And so because the college on the Upper East Side does not teach classes in these forms, one, what the students have to do there is an ethnographic research assignment. Mm-hmm. So they go to um, EXPG, they go to Kumbe, mm-hmm. they go to um, the Ailey Extension Program, and they take classes in either African or African diasporic or urban street forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they write me a paper about sort of what that experience is. Um, the incarcerated students obviously cannot run out to take a dance class. Um, And uh, this was a real challenge for me because while I am a historian and I stand behind my ability to uh, frame uh, the the history of these dance forms, I do not teach hip hop or African Mm. dance. So I had to think about how to build embodied components into the incarcerated Mm. class. Um, And so what I did was I really went to them um so a yeah. lot of the movement things that we did the first thing we did was what does dance mean to you what right. show and show me not mm-hmm. not just say it but like mm-hmm. stand up and show me and then um stand up and show me and then the whole class is going to learn your dance and then the whole class is going to learn the next person's dance and we did a lot of um Things like that where we would we would build movement sequences together mm-hmm. uh, so that it was always um, communal and it was always collaborative. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, I certainly gave a lot of history lectures, but the embodiment components were all uh, not top down, yeah. but um, but student centered. Yeah,
4: um,
1: yeah. And uh, and then the incarcerated students wrote um, just some thoughts, just kind of randomly journaled after every embodied thing that we did, and then at the end of the semester they had to uh, turn in a paper, a formal paper about those experiences. And um, this question about community was was the number one thing that was said in almost every paper. Oh, wow. And they would say that, um, quite frankly, they don't like each other. They don't know each other. They don't have. They don't connect with each other outside of this classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is. Uh, necessarily built into how the day is structured within the prison. Um, And I'm sure some of that is also personal. But they had had these experiences of knowing there's someone in the class that they don't like, mm-hmm. but then being able to stand up and step touch and find a common rhythm with this mm. person and suddenly realize that they could actually smile and yeah. laugh and have fun together, yeah. and that there was this way that dance created an opportunity yeah. for community that they otherwise didn't yeah. have access to. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Interestingly, um, the students on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, uh, after they they had to go out and um, do this ethnographic research, their papers also centered on community, coming from the standpoint of most of them are dance majors who are trained in Western concert dance forms. Mm-hmm. They are used to going to a dance class and having everybody have their earbuds in and be like, you know, stretching for the gods and totally mm-hmm. focused yeah. and like, getting to the front of the room, right? Mm-hmm. They were not used to going to a dance class and having the teacher be like, hey, how yeah. are you? Welcome, yeah, sure. and having all kinds of bodies in the room and just Mm. and and this whole idea of an open level does not exist in Western concert dance. So um, so their minds, you know, uh, were also blown at this presence of community. Um, And I think that that is something that is so important. For our mental health yeah. as individuals, let alone as a community, um, and it was really, really exciting to feel how um, how quickly dance can do that. And with the with the incarcerated students, I mean, we we were not dancing for hours a day at yeah. all. We yeah. were dancing like seven to ten minutes. I mean, it was okay. these yeah, yeah, minimal yeah, yeah. bits yeah. of embodiment that were still able to communicate these huge ideas about like, wow, I. I don't know you but when I find a rhythm with you then yeah. wow we can come together and and share a laugh. Yeah. Which is kind of huge in terms of human connection.
3: Especially in a place that is a prison like in 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 incarceration whether whether the the space is specifically like um you know the range between like max max uh, what's the max what? Max security. security. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. Um, Max security or, like, the, a lower security-based prison, like, it's it's still a place where you don't have the freedom to do, as you mentioned, like, in comparison to other students, to so go out and take a class. Like, so your freedom is gone. And that does something to any human. So I'm glad that I'm hearing that just the little bits of dance are bringing back this sense of community that essentially has been stripped away from them based off the circumstances that they're living in.
1: Another really powerful thing was that... Um, uh, in, because they have been pulled away from the community that they know, from their yeah. family and things like this. Um, one of the first things that I did in the class um, uh, was just have everybody stand up, and we all did the electric slide.
3: That's why I was... C- okay, air, air,
1: They know that already. Right. Pretty much all of them yeah. know that already. Um, and, uh And it was so interesting in their papers many of them wrote about how as soon as we, and we have no music mm-hmm. so all of the the rhythm is coming from our footwork and mm-hmm. clapping and vocalizing mm-hmm. in a variety of ways what um, many of them wrote about how as soon as they started doing these steps that they know that they were no longer in prison and that they were with their families and they yeah. were with their Absolutely. friends yeah. and that power of muscle memory To hold the memories of communities, whether Mm. they be far away or people that we've lost, Mm. I think is also this really magical thing that dance can do um, to, you know, within our cellular memory, hold those Mm. relationships Mm. and hold those those communities.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about now how this might, what results this might have to things like recidivism, like what... And especially if this if this continues, and hopefully this does continue, sounding as as I'm hearing, it sounds like it benefits the the human in this environment. What it might do in like four to five years to see what is the rate of recidivism, what is the rate of these people not returning back to any form of incarceration, um, with programs like this and many other art-based programs and other embodiment programs. As or well.
0: or even like the idea of reintegration, right? Like of mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. if you continue, if you're still able to practice this idea of seeing people and seeing folks yeah. as humanity and being able to like, because there is something about kinesthetically being aware of somebody or being able to maintain rhythm and time with someone when you don't have music that we, but like people may undervalue, but it is so, there's a really acute listening that has to mm-hmm. happen. And, and mm-hmm. so there's a there's a beautiful it sounds like fine tuning of that in a in a very particular space so i'm also curious about like how folks are able to reintegrate
1: having yeah. that sort of in their in their cellular memory absolutely well and like i said that this class is part of a college degree yeah. program and i do know that there are amazing statistics mm-hmm. about the the college degree program affecting recidivism in a really positive okay. way so, okay. Um, embodiment I wonder about at that more personal yeah. level both in terms of changing one's ability to listen
4: mm-hmm.
1: to the environment that you're in mm-hmm. um, but also the other thing that that uh, embodiment can do that is so powerful is remind you that movement is a form of emotional self-regulation yeah. and a lot of people in general, I don't care if you're incarcerated or free or whatever, um, have trouble with emotional self-regulation. And as our society becomes increasingly disembodied, I think that we're seeing an increase in people's just... Inability to cope
4: yeah.
1: um, at on the Upper East Side. The number of emails I have received saying I cannot possibly finish my paper because I have crippling anxiety yeah. has quadrupled yeah. in the last few years, wow. um, and seems to increase with every assignment <laughs> that yeah. I give. Um, uh, and I think that a lot of um, a, 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 a lot of power exists in our bodies to help take care of our minds. And I think it's an underutilized power. It is. And um, what's interesting is that uh, a, a lot of the, you know, I m- have many, many years of being um, uh, trained as a yoga teacher and I've studied meditation for a long time. Um, but one of the things that I started to look into Um, because I was teaching this class uh, that particularly deals with race and racism and dance is a lot of critique of meditation and particularly somatic western practices as being uh, a very particular embodiment of whiteness Mm. and this idea that when you're led in meditation to be still to align your spine in a very particular vertical way um, and to try to, uh, to to follow your breath that that actually can create more discomfort and more mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. for for a lot of people
4: yeah.
1: uh, rather than it being a soothing space. yeah but I wonder though because I thought some of those techniques came from
0: Eastern spaces true And so then they were adopted into Western
3: actually it's interesting because um, there are some, Part of like how we know yoga in America is actually is like a white Western response to something mm-hmm. that is Eastern It's like a theft essentially and a repackaging so it doesn't yes. hold on a lot of things and I, and one thing I learned about meditation because when I first started my mental health journey, meditation was one of the first things I wanted to try, and I hated it because it was the like the all of that you mentioned the the spine, the breathing the and also the more specifically like the clear your mind and I was like getting frustrated because my mind was going everywhere except for clear (laughs) like if anything (laughs) Mm -hmm. the moment i got to sit down i was like now my mind is flooded Mm -hmm. because i'm not distracted by all the things i was doing beforehand Mm -hmm. and then when i um i went to you know the um the the tibetan store on st mark's and and Mm -hmm. and a few other like sister networks within there and i started to find some more tools and i started talking about meditation they were letting me know that like actually like Their understanding of meditation is just removing yourself from your thoughts, understanding that your thoughts are not always your own. So what you're doing when you're meditating is is, and one one idea is to watch your thoughts, see your thoughts and understand that you can just that, that they don't control you, that they can move and go and they can come in and come out. Um, but the idea that you have to be like completely zen and quiet and like peaceful in the birds and the trees, like that doesn't have to be your meditative practice Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be long. Like one person's like, you can do it for like two to three minutes on the train. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm also thinking about how yoga and some spaces that it's actually a lifestyle. It's not an hour class, right? It's like how you live your life Mm -hmm. and how in in the States is very much uh, removed from the entire like spiritual practice of the thing. And you know,
1: Mm -hmm. it's just something to think about. And if you're trying to get to that place where you can register that your thoughts are here and that you are here and that there, there's a witnessing going on, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are just a lot of different pathways yeah. and different personalities mm-hmm. need different pathways. Yeah, so I sure. certainly don't think there's a right or a wrong. Um, I know many teachers that would say, well, being uncomfortable in meditation is the point. You're trying to learn <laughs> how to be at peace with being right. uncomfortable. Right. Um, but I... I have been very interested in um, in sort of tracking the the different responses in terms of um, what to do when you are actually upset. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So a somatic meditation practice, I think, it is exactly that. It's a practice. It yeah. takes a lot of time, and then perhaps it can set you up in ways to navigate your emotional realities differently. But if I am upset right now. Slowing down and breathing and trying to sit up straight might not really be what I need. I might actually need to shake that out. Mm-hmm. I might mm-hmm. actually need yep. to, to step touch and get some yep. heat and blood flowing and, yep. and, um, and transfer some of that anxiety into physical movement yeah. and then allow it to leave my mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And so um, – it's interesting to think about how social dance forms can serve yeah. this very similar purpose of being potentially a practice, but a practice that is rhythmic, mm-hmm. a practice that is um, uh, that is uh, clearly and repetitively in motion, yeah. um, as opposed to aiming towards stillness, yeah. and something that then through upping your, your heart rate and your blood flow, then has you feeling your breath because you're maybe out of breath or yeah. at least it yeah. getting a little harder, right? So then it creates this very, um, yeah. very real connection to your body, yeah. um, as opposed to sitting still, yep. right? And and also at a at a scientific level, there are a lot of um, nerve receptors in our joints and in our muscles that only fire when there is friction and motion. Yeah, so. This idea that we're supposed to somehow become still and then feel more, um, is 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 a is a path for some people. And yeah. and if and if it works for you, rock on. Yeah, do your still thing. Um, but I'm just finding that as a teacher, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to try other ways to get people into their body, yeah. other ways to get people grounded, yeah. and um, very repetitive rhythmic movement. Is is another way in yeah. um, that I think, and and you know, when you combine repetitive movement with choreography that people know, like the electric slide, yep. then it also adds happiness mm-hmm. and fun, and there's a sense of improvisation on top of yeah. structure and things like that that allow people to kind of breathe between um, following instructions and having an emotional release through their bodies in a physical way
0: this is so exciting because it just it makes me think about how in the ways that social dance is so there's so much going on that Mm. we may or may not realize that are so important to um like mental health and stimulation Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking about how in social situations even witnessing is extremely important and how like like That witnessing can sort of, like, get your blood pressure, like, moving in a certain way and get you, like, really hype in a certain way. And then when you do become a participant, like, how, like, and also, like, the the reciprocation of that and Mm -hmm. how we can switch in and out of those modes depending on where we are and, like, how it's so fluid. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: Um, because witnessing is a form of participation when it's... When it's honest and authentic, you know. Yeah. I think I've, I noticed, as you're mentioning, in so many social gatherings where there is dance, like there there is a dance floor. There might be like a dance area at a cookout, barbecue, birthday party, whatever. And then when when the when the people who may not be able to or may not want to dance, mm-hmm. and that song comes on, and everybody decided like you just like oh yeah, you getting it. They break out the phones or they're mm-hmm. like they hype you up on the side, and that right there it doesn't feel. I mean, that right there is as valuable as being the one who's being hyped up, the one who's being mm-hmm. witnessed, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: This reminds me kind of of this uh, social situation Jay and I were just in yesterday oh, yeah. where there was a person just talking ad nauseum, just mm-hmm. so heady. And I, they could not read the behavior. Like, yeah. our re- like three of us were not interested and we actually wanted them to stop talking. And it was clear if you be- if you looked at our body language. And it got to a point where I just started dancing. Jay started dancing. Yeah. And then this yeah. other person started dancing. And this person was, and then they finally shut up. And yeah. it was just like, and then we like had a moment where we were Aww. all just vibing. And you know what I mean? And then when that person had stopped, so I was so grateful. <laughs> and I was so grateful to be in the vibe with these other two people. Yeah, And it felt good. Also, I was in the middle, so that felt good because yeah. energetically, I was getting in on both sides. Yeah, But yeah.
1: But look at how... Clearly and non-violently, you use dance to communicate and affect your situation, right? Yeah, and like that's that's something that you know we all have so much energy pent up inside Mm -hmm. of us, and that it's such a great story. And in that situation, I mean, you had a choice: you could throw something at the person, or you could start dancing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could be you could be vocally rude, like whatever it is, you know, or you can start dancing and then find this whole other thing yeah. right and let that carry you out and perhaps that person who was speaking had they had more dance training would have cued into what you were trying uh-huh. to say to them a little bit yeah. more quickly that's right what I, say. Like, <laughs> I, I
3: feel like part of what dance why, I, why I'm so attracted to dance is not necessarily the performance aspect of it but the fact that we are talking about movement and we're talking about bodies and we are concerned about the the ways that we can communicate with them so when When I'm teaching students, and I love teaching students who actually may not have um, a desire to become professional dancers, but are just like, you know, this is what I'm doing for my youthful time, I'm like, the values that you're going to learn in this environment are going to be very applicable everywhere else in your life. Mm -hmm. And I could run down the list right now of what I've experienced, but that still is going to pale in comparison to what you're actually going to find in your life.
0: When you sort of, like, when it's exposed to you on your own terms. Because
3: some, like, some specific things, like, in New York are like, Like, most people don't understand. Oh, that is
1: the worst. <laughs> it's
3: like,
0: as it's hard to walk down the street as a dancer. Oh, my
1: God. No, you need some contact improvisation training. and uh-huh. Everyone should have that. Yes. Yeah, and when they don't, it's really frustrating. And
0: it's like, even like, I, I do a lot of work to like, even let people like, you should clearly understand from what the, my body language right now that I'm actually going on this side. I'm yes. actually going to turn my body this way to give you more room. Mm-hmm. You should do the same. There's like all this information that is getting lost on people. And as you say, as people become more disembodied, it is just creating a hard... Uh, space to socially navigate through. Mm-hmm. It is insane because the social
3: is not. I mean, I think we we you mentioned this at the top that um, even in in classes that aren't dance focused, that you like to think about where's the embodiment component. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I'm wondering like what will happen if we made that a requirement in just education on all levels. That yes, doesn't matter what you're teaching, you have to include in your lesson plan an embodiment component and how much. Not how much in terms of quantity, but it's like, what would shift? What would, what would be brought into the conversation? To so that new awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm
0: thinking about how, like, as dancers too, we, we understand or we think about kinesthetic awareness or yeah. reading people's body language and all of that. And I'm, because I'm even thinking about horses. Like, I know that if a horse pins its ears back, it is not happy with you. If it's put, you know, flicking them back and forth, it's kind of interested. So it's like, even with that, it's like, is a good cue because if a, if a horse has got his ears pinned back,
1: you better step away.
0: Okay. It is not happy, yeah.
1: but we don't do that with each other. Oh. No, and that's um, it's an interesting thing how how much is communicated, and then also to think about um being in diverse communities and then checking our assumptions about what body language mm-hmm. means. That's true too. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I I do a sort of standard spatial composition exercise in in this class and um, you know just to sort of point out the fact that proximity yeah. has its own tension and potential yeah. storytelling in mm-hmm. it right so you guys have probably done similar things in in some kind of class where you know people are walking around and the teacher says freeze and then you notice that like there's a whole cluster here and one person left out and you can be like oh there's a narrative there yeah, right like sure. or everyone's equal distant from one another Ooh, that's a totally different narrative you know there are there are two groups and they're facing away from each other, different yeah. narrative, right? Um, and then uh, uh, in my class, I do that with then two people, right? And every single time I have done this exercise, um, when I have two people facing each other, we say, okay, so what's the relationship?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The students usually say, oh, well, they're friends. They're, they're talking, having a conversation. And then you're like, all right, so then have them turn away and so they're back to back. So what's, what's the conversation here, right? What's going mm-hmm. on, oh, they're in a fight are probably mad at each other, mm. right? So I did this exercise um, with the incarcerated students um, and decidedly had my mind blown because when I had two people facing one another and I said, what's the relationship here? They uh, all said, oh, they're in a fight. Yeah. Confrontation. Dang. And then when I said, turn around, back to back, what's the relationship?
0: It has to be trust because you're, th- you're putting your back to someone.
1: That's a great answer. Um, what they said is, those are the best friends because they've got each other's back. Uh. Oh
0: right, because they're they're
1: all they're both looking outward.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Con- wow. Context.
1: Wow. Context. Context. Because I. Yeah. Dang. But it's you if you're not aware yeah. that our bodies are saying things, then it's also hard to see the way the context affects our bodies. Yeah. Which, in that way, then the context is also affecting our minds. Yes. And our relationships to one another. And it's, it's pretty interesting how simple a physical exercise can reveal those vast differences mm-hmm. in context and mental, you know, sort of organization. Mm. You're making me think about
0: how when I was in Poland, I was already forewarned that they cue close, meaning like cueing when you like are waiting in line. Oh, mm-hmm. Cue close, they cue close. So like they're up on you. Like there's a woman like literally touching my back with her body when we were in line mm. and I was like I don't know and I was so annoyed I would and be yeah. so so like no they just stand close together it's like a thing I'm like I don't well then <laughs> you stand between me and this person because we do not cue that close oh
2: no right no oh. but
0: context is key I was mm-hmm. like, can I help you do you need something mm-hmm. yeah. cuz mm-hmm. she's just trying to get on the plane yeah mm-hmm.
3: and I'm thinking about all the things the, the code switching that many students of color have to do when they enter into like especially dance class when we talk mm-hmm. about like the the white western concert dance world like a lot of students of color struggle because the rules are just so vastly different than the ones that they have to abide by in their in their homes in their neighborhoods and that was one that um when i first started teaching in the bronx um so lucky for this organization called ramapo for making that so blatantly aware mm. that when students come in And we ask them to raise their hand, or ask to go to the restroom. We might be asking someone who is considered like a lead or a head in the family to then. Ask a very simple, ask permission for something that they might be do really freely, hmm. which is just go to the restroom. And in their minds, like, well, I'm probably getting my younger brothers and sisters ready for school. I'm probably taking care of bills. I'm probably working. And now in this random scenario, you're telling me that I have to ask you if I can go to the restroom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That makes me think about, too, how folks with uh, eye contact, to, uh, especially yeah. like in white Western forums, it's like I look at someone in the eye or touch and it's like mm-hmm. it, uh, other people, eye contact is a threat.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's eye contact is and yeah, it's either it's a threat and in many ways that I've learned it's like it's it's a threat or it's a sign of respect. But you but you but you can't hmm what's the word I'm looking for? Like you, you have to know the person to know which one is gonna be. And also context. You don't it's context. Like you don't just throw it around. You don't just look at people in the eyes in certain neighborhoods, especially like where I grew up in South Central LA, thinking of, you know, uh Bob and Andre. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> eye contact was something that you you, you get ready to make sure that you're going to like uh, do something that's a confrontational or it's something that you make sure you make eye contact with this person when you walk down the street. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you don't, then that's what do you dissing? Disrespectful, yeah. yeah. Man...
1: It's an interesting thing in terms of the power of dancing in a circle also, though, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that gives people that opportunity to make eye contact or not with whatever they're choosing to do, but also have that sense of safety that within their peripheral vision, they can see the people in the room. So there isn't that sort of fear factor Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because that's another that's another interesting thing. you know, going back to that idea about uh, traditional Western somatic techniques, um, oftentimes they ask you to close your eyes. Oh, how do you navigate around that? You, you just, uh, I, I say to the students to um, uh, focus inward, just mm-hmm. like look a few feet in front of them on the floor, mm-hmm. um, because many, many of them wrote to me f- for a variety of reasons that they are not willing to close their eyes yeah. in these spaces, again, yeah. thinking about context. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's you know that that then really uh, changed my context context um, the next day when I went back to the college on the Upper East Side and was in a room of twenty two people fully willing to close their eyes and lay down and like wow. be completely yeah. safe, unlike the public transportation we were talking about earlier, Gosh, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and other <laughs> and other contexts. Yeah. Um, where, Where is it that we feel safe enough mm-hmm. to really tune into that internal space? And I think that that's another thing. Um, in terms of the power of social dance, it creates safety because we're we're attuning our internal spaces to one another. Whether we're dancing or witnessing, you know, whether yeah. whether you're standing aside, the there's something about rhythm that that literally physically brings people together oh, yeah. Yeah. in a way that can create um, such a profound sense of safety and, yeah. and trust that I think um, really can't be underestimated.
3: Cannot. Uh on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to learn more about what's been going on with Catherine and the incarcerated women in dance. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. You know, we're, we're taking a little break here. But while we're on this break, I would like to let you know that we have a Patreon. And that Patreon, the support that you uh, give as a patron is what helps keep the operating costs and many of the other costs of running a podcast, you know feasible and keeps this podcast alive and it helps us do many many great things and grow but and it
0: helps you it helps us know that you love us
3: it helps us know that you love us that's another thing Um, it's a token and a symbol of your appreciation for us as we will then share with you many tokens of appreciation for you for becoming a patron and one of those things is that in 2020 we will be sharing live nope that's a lie <laughs> we'll be sharing um video podcast so we have a video camera in the studio and we're going to be doing some more videotaping things that are going to be exclusive for the patrons so you're interested in to know what our body language is like <laughs> as dancers in the studio when we record this podcast become a patron. or if you want
0: to know like when we have guests like what does that person look like what i i hear that voice what is that what, where's the the, the human that goes with that absolutely. voice, absolutely. And
3: I think more importantly than all of that, if you want to know what Melanie's fashion decisions are, where you can see the jewel tones in her hair and the earth tones yes! in her jumpsuit, you get to come on to you get to become a patron and see what the video podcast looks like.
0: Sounds like a plan.
3: Yeah. So the baseline to give to become a patron is two dollars, and if you become a patron at five dollars, you get to get all of the wonderful, lovely live. no I keep saying live because it's not going to be live, but the video podcast footage what's going on in here
0: and it's a it's a a a country what is it contribution of reciprocity we we offer our labor of love and this is a way that you can show that your love back
3: a contribution of reciprocity thank you so much and we are going to get back to the show (laughs) and we're back Hello. All right. So we have uh, just a few more questions before we wrap up with uh, Catherine. And uh, Melody, do you have one? I think you talked about one during the break.
0: I do. I'm curious, Catherine, if you could talk to us a little bit about your process of uh, self-care and wellness as you both enter and then exit uh, spaces. I think, you know, I'm interested in both, actually, in the women's prison and on the Upper East Side with them (laughs) folks.
1: Both Uh, both take preparation and then um, a sort of depressuring process Mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, You know, it's interesting how much my life as a performer and my life as a teacher uh, intersect. Mm -hmm. It is a lot to be in front of a student body. And even though I am a huge advocate of student-centered learning and I'm always trying to find collaborative ways to bring my my whole class into the process of both teaching and learning um you stand in front of that classroom as a facilitator it's a lot of responsibility um and there is a lot of of pressure in that so you know absolutely my own uh meditative and yogic practice are huge to me um uh and it's been very interesting uh working in the prison um, because as phenomenal as the students are that I'm working with and as much as they absolutely inspire me to be in uh, a situation where so much has been taken away from you um, and to still be bettering yourself through the process of education I just I find that remarkable and inspiring Um, so those students really uh, uplift me but there is a lot of pressure um particularly uh since this is not a video podcast um (laughs) uh to say that um i'm a white person entering a prison talking about race and racism and the body that's a that's a lot of positionality to try to navigate Mm -hmm. gracefully um and i uh definitely had a a curve with the incarcerated students where I think when I first walked in there, they were just completely baffled Mm -hmm. by why Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. this tall, skinny white girl was coming in trying to teach this class. Um, But then uh, literally and seriously, we did the electric slide together and everything was okay. I mean, it wasn't quite that simple, but it it was. (laughs) I
3: mean, for me, it would have been because I was also that very particular student like what are you gonna teach me about like black history and dance? And then you like, i like, you know okay. what you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we,
4: we we have
1: a starting point, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um but I will say that um also with that population, uh you know, I I am as a dance teacher, I am trained to read body language. Yeah. And the effects of incarceration on the mind and the body uh, cannot be underestimated. Yeah. Um in terms of baseline posture in terms of whether one walks or shuffles yeah. in terms of eye contact. Mm-hmm. And do you feel comfortable looking at, I'm in a position of authority mm-hmm. um, in that situation. Do you feel comfortable making eye contact? Um, there are, uh, uh a lot of uh, things that I saw in the bodies of those students um, that I could not help but empathize with yeah. because that's my my training yeah. as a dancer. Um, and so the first few weeks that I was working there, it was very uh, emotionally challenging for me um, to to hold the space to say, uh, uh, you know, this class is about looking at amazing, phenomenal artists who have pushed back yeah. against racism, against segregation, against disenfranchisement in a variety yeah. of ways and have triumphed anyway. Yeah. Right. This is the narrative that I'm trying to uphold. Um, and these are the documentaries that I'm showing. Um, and I'm trying to come in there with a a message of positivity mm-hmm. and I feel very strongly that I need to to walk that talk, I can't fake it. Yeah. So uh, on my way to the prison, mm-hmm. I would um, spend time uh, reading the, the books and the articles that I had assigned and underlining and, and focusing on the points of empowerment in those readings, which are really why I assigned them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would get home and uh, – The first few weeks, I really found myself kind of crushed and confused, even though I had done a lot of reading and I talked to a lot of other people who'd done this kind of work and I really felt like I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, I don't think that anything can really prepare you for that shift from thinking about a certain population as a sort of statistical demographic to looking in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and and also speaking to them, realizing that they're intelligent, they have senses yep. of humor, they have yeah. backstories, yep. right? Like we all do. Childhoods. Childhoods. And, and they made one wrong mistake. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Um, and so I was having a lot of trouble navigating that. And then... Um, I decided that what I would do uh, was actually walk my talk and I started to create a dance piece, a solo for myself um, about what I was experiencing. And I also created a sound score that went with the piece that was um, a combination of sound effects and then I read a lot of the readings that I had assigned to the class and then overlaid those as a sort of um, sound collage. And um, it was about a 10 minute solo. Um, I do not think it will ever be performed, um, because I and I don't think that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But what was amazing was that as soon as I started to work on it and allow myself yeah. time and space in my week for embodied processing, yep. yeah, I became a hundred percent more effective teacher, oh. mm-hmm. and I was able to move through the space and not feel like I was about to cry really? and um, hear these backstories and and just be like, awesome. So what are we gonna do with that? Yeah. Right, instead yeah. of being so affected that I can't mm. help facilitate some kind of right. growth, yeah. which was the point, you
3: know, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that because it's every time you're talking about this particular group of of students, um it reminds me about all I felt was missing in my dance education training when I was working going to be certified as a dance educator um because I was like, this is for public schools, and I remember being a public school student in dance, and I can tell this trainer is not preparing me to teach a younger me. And hmm. a lot of this was because we were, we were denying, we were working as demographics. We were working as like just numbers and, and statistics. Of, and best practices. And, and best and, practices. But what about it? What, what does it mean for the facilitator, the teacher to, as like you mentioned, have your own process practice so that you can process through what is coming up with all of the variables, you know, of hmm. working with, anyone really but working with the population of people that you can really best assume are carrying some real traumas and are probably going to be shared in this space with you mm-hmm. that's part that's that's a huge thing right there that i felt was Missing from that education training, and I think is something that I, as people are listening, um, if you are a dance educator, I'm really glad to share it to like think about yeah, that. Yeah, and dance
0: pedagogy, I and think d- that is great too. Like, cause I also got a teaching license, and you're right, that's the one the reason why I chose to step away from mm-hmm. it because I was like, I don't feel like I am being supported by administration. Yeah. There's no, you're not offering me a therapist, you're not offering me any way of. Mm-hmm processing how to then show up and be present for these students in the way that i would want to be and because we are in such an embodied practice understanding that that content is going to live in our bodies some kind of Mm -hmm. way and we have to sort of figure out how to let it move through us Mm -hmm. so that we can keep you know building and staying healthy to take on that new information Mm
3: -hmm.
1: otherwise it's just a huge accumulation yeah Yeah, especially because if what we're doing um, together as as a class is moving, then I I don't I don't step back and watch and Mm -hmm. make them do that dance like we are Mm -hmm. all doing Mm -hmm. this together. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a very real communion through movement. Um, which is so beautiful. And I I, th- I have always felt as a dancer that uh muscle memory is both the greatest gift of being a dancer and the greatest curse. Yeah. Because you never know when you might, you know, roll your shoulder some way and um, have some memory lost, from absolutely. childhood and you're yeah. sobbing and you're like, What's happening? Yeah. Right. And um that that happens to um students in my classes uh and particularly with the u- incarcerated students they do not have a lot of other opportunities to move so yeah. there's a lot that's packed right under their skin mm-hmm. so again it doesn't take some you know crazy turn yourself inside out yoga yeah. stretch to pull the tears something out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um but it is really um it, it is it is such a gift though Uh, for me to feel like my teaching skills are getting uh, pushed in all kinds of ways. Because um, I think... uh, uh, I think it was Camille Paglia. She's got a great quote that says basically that um, no one has any business being a university professor unless they can do 40 minutes of stand-up improv.
4: Mm. And okay. <laughs> I think okay. that that goes for like
1: <laughs> any kind of teacher. Yeah. And um, when you are doing, um, you know, stand-up improv in situations where people are saying things uh, and responding to things in ways that you don't expect, yes. Yes. it pushes that skill set. Oh, sure so does. I I am eternally thankful to uh, Bill T. Jones for okay. you know throwing <laughs> literally throwing things at me when I was improvising. Yeah. Um. Uh. And my own creative and performance practice because yeah. I think a lot of what what I'm doing in that classroom, um, in order to really hold space in a way that people will feel as safe as possible to participate, Mm -hmm. you know? That has to be a fluid position, you know? Because people need different kinds of support to enter conversations about different things at different times, on different days, you know? um, uh, Depending on what happened earlier that day, um, and particularly well, you know, it's true of all the students. All, all of us in our lives are dealing with things that we can control and things that we can't. Yeah. The incarcerated students are dealing with more things than they can't con- that they cannot control yeah. than most of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means they come into class with um, a desire for agency mm-hmm. over their body oh that is different mm-hmm. than the rest of us deal with. Yeah. And, and then that is something that then I, as a leader... Uh, really want to make sure I hold space for, you know, and it's interesting to facilitate agency safely uh, yeah. in a place with ten hundred thousand rules mm-hmm. that I also need to follow mm-hmm. and pay attention to, um, but to to really try to be um, to be a yes and teacher, yeah. mm-hmm. so that. If if you are feeling that, you know, this reading that we did, uh, uh, several of the readings talk about um, dance as a kind of spirituality and connect um, social dance to uh, black church traditions Mm -hmm. where people are shouting and catching the spirit and feeling all kinds of um, uh, really overwhelming things. And people will come in and and have relationships to that that are nostalgic.
4: Mm-hmm. They'll
1: have relationships to that that are full of fear. Yeah. They'll have relationships to that that make them want to get up and move. Um, and they'll have uh, relationships to that that are full of questions. Mm-hmm. And trying to navigate those spaces are, are really interesting and that is also why I think that student-centered learning is so important mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of um, embodied pedagogy, uh, because for for example we, we had a uh, there's a reading in the class that we do about a, a the ring shout which is a uh, traditional yeah. dance right and then how that uh, transformed into the big Apple which is the, the social dance mm-hmm. um, and uh, with the big Apple there is a, a person who's you know, calling out moves, right? And then mm-hmm. the people do the moves. Yeah. And um, obviously with the Big Apple, there's a structured, specific movements. Um, and we didn't want to do those because a lot of the students who are incarcerated... You, or I, I also, you know, I teach at, at uh, the college on the Upper East Side. Everyone is 18 to 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone is able-bodied, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. was not. That is not the case. Mm-hmm. And, and the prison mm-hmm. people are all ages and very different physical abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, we... As a class, made up our uh, we call menu yeah. of movements, nice. right, yeah. and then the one person who really was crystal clear in her voice and in her body language that she did not want to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, "Great, you're the shouter. You're the, you're the caller. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna call the moves." Yeah. And um, and then she was like, Oh, I can do that. Sydney, awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like I don't yeah. even get up and I can still participate. Yes. Um, and and finding ways that everybody can participate when you have a group of yeah. really differently abled bodies yeah. um, is is a new challenge for me that um, that it's been it's it's been a lot of on my feet thinking to make it work Um, but I feel like it has made me 10,000 times a better teacher for sure Um, because there's also an incredible desire in uh, in that situation Um, I don't want to leave anybody out yeah Yeah. we have we have this tiny window of time together to feel something to feel something yeah. Right as a as a community, and um, on the Upper East Side, you know, students are injured. They sit, they watch, they da 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 da. And and you know, I'm sorry that they're injured, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably it is best for them to sit down and just not participate. And I keep the focus yeah. where it was planned to be, and like yeah. there's a sort of certain agenda there. But in in the prison, um, it feels really important to me to not lose anyone. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: Particularly because. Um, most of their experiences of dance are social dance. Yeah. So when I walked in there and I was like, you know, what what does dance mean to you? They, um, some of them demonstrated, some of them had, but it was all words like, you know, freedom, connection, community, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Nobody was like a proscenium arch, uh- an arabesque, <laughs> like no, nobody, yeah. right? Um, so that wasn't uh, that, you know, they they laid out that what this class was going to be about was coming together. Yeah. And then I picked up that mission, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like I'm having to um, uh, to carry that on. And it, it, it takes a lot of hardcore improvisation, I will say, and a lot of self-care, which um, I, I, I have to say I was shocked that – as I mean, I felt in my gut that the right thing to do was to start making a solo about this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was – Shocked at how much immediately the next week I was, oh yeah, real calm. Mm. I was just completely calm. Mm-hmm. Um, it in that going reasons. in and going out, which other which had been a, an emotional roller coaster. Otherwise, yeah. mm-hmm. I will say what I have not been as good at um, is pulling myself together for the students that I see the next day on the Upper East Side. Oh, because yeah, what does that mean? Pulling yourself together because. When you're working with incarcerated students, the excuses Mm -hmm. that students in a standard college give for why they can't get to class on time, why they didn't get their homework done, Mm -hmm. why they're feeling tired today. Those excuses start to get a little transparent and i most of the criticism i have received as a teacher is that i'm like too nice mm-hmm. that you know that i'm that i'm too understanding that i'm too mm-hmm. kind of give too many a's like mm-hmm. you know this is the criticism that other faculty members yeah, yeah. give me oh um so um uh it's been very funny to me this semester to sort of just be like yeah no people show up what are you doing <laughs> pull it together yeah. you know um and I, it's also very odd because I go from teaching this class on um, race and racism in dance history in a prison to the next morning teaching Martha Graham technique. And that's a yeah. that's a big shift. Yeah. Yes. And I am a versatile teacher and I pride mm-hmm. myself on it. But that is a lot to yeah. turn around mm-hmm. from. in it's less than it's like 10 hours. Right, right. You know. Right. Oh. You know? <laughs> so oh.
4: that's a that's a project. Yeah. yeah, I
3: hear I just I hear so many of my other teachers that I've had that that have had a similar viewpoint about the world that you're sharing right now who have used many of my my practices, my life, my brother's lives when we were in high school to like unintentionally like Put the other students' perspective, or their their excuses, in perspective, because I mentioned earlier, like my brothers and I had to take a bus two hours to and from school, and it's like high school is like seven o'clock is when the first period starts, mm-hmm. so we're on the bus at five, meaning we were up at four or even earlier, mm-hmm. and then you know two hours back. So when students are like, oh, you know, I couldn't get this paper in, or I couldn't choreograph this thing, or I I couldn't come to class, and they like live in the neighborhood, teachers are like, you know, the bully brothers are like. They were on the bus right. for two hours. The
0: Bowie and Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When are you gonna start a band?
3: Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> please, do it.
3: Is that, yeah, but it's, it's interesting, because I, 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 I didn't, I I mean, I'm saying this because I'm realizing I didn't understand why they were doing it. I kind of felt like, oh, please don't do that. Please don't make me the example. But I'm starting to hear, like you when you're concerned with the life of, of certain students, and then you hear someone like, oh, I wasn't able to make it because, and you're like, but you live across the street from the school. <laughs>
0: Right, but teachers also have context that students don't, and it's it's also yeah. uh, teachers are sort of charged to be seeing a
1: larger picture and help their students see it as well.
3: That and right, so boom,
1: and yeah, absolutely, and I I do think that the universe, the divine, whatever you answer to, um, it gives all of us enough suffering to make us wise. And each of us can take a different amount of that and are given different paths. I truly believe that because they're in some ways connected to what we need in order to grow in this lifetime. Um, That said, I think that, yeah, as as a teacher, you know, I um, I try not to. um, I don't talk to my students on the Upper East Side about. The incarcerated students mm-hmm. very much because I'm very fearful. And it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to be really careful about what I share on this podcast as well. I don't want to appear to be capitalizing on mm-hmm. someone else's misfortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't want to sensationalize it yeah. in a way that that further removes it from the fact that this is actually a human experience yeah. that is happening right now mm-hmm. while we live and breathe and make our own choices. There are other people who yeah. are living a very different life. Um, but that fact, that fact that right here, while that, that, that we are incredibly privileged to be here, to be able to um, navigate spaces in the way that we do, I think that it is good to be reminded of that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we can get ungrateful. I mean, I know I can. Like, going to Poland actually did that for me too, because Uh, the way that they don't have access to classes every day in the way that we do, Mm -hmm. or how some ideas are oppressed and Mm -hmm. they're tolerated, but they don't want to talk about it or see it. And I was like, oh, some of the things that are happening here, like, we've sort of navigated through in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And it, it like you say it it does help sort of like readjust like okay, I need to be a little bit more grateful. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. More perspective cuz as you mentioned context, context and perspective.
1: Yeah, and t- taking things for granted is um is a really great way to be just blinded to your yeah. context and yeah. the way that it's affecting you and then the way that you have power to affect it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, you know. That agency. Um one of the really simple exercises um that we do in this in this class um in the prison is that you you know, you know, pretend that you're sort of creating a ball of energy
4: mm-hmm.
1: and then you choose to either softly toss it to someone or to like chuck it at them really violently yeah. and then they have to pretend to catch it with whatever energy you threw uh, it with. Ooh, okay. yeah. But then they can transform yeah, that energy horrible. and then toss it to someone else in the way that they choose. I like that. And people get so creative. I mean, they, they start like petting little yeah, bunnies yeah, 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 yeah. and like passing them on because like, so they'll become little flexy, <sighs> Like it like it turns into all kinds of things. But there's something about really embodying one's ability to take on what the world is giving you mm-hmm. and then transform it and send it out in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is so helpful, and it's you know it's a it's a really simple movement exercise. Like she came to me through um, Martha Eddy in a workshop I did with her on nonviolent communication. Um, uh, but it's interesting how that, in so many different contexts, can have so many different applications, yeah. and and also you know you you introduce it as a game. It's a yeah. physical game. Everyone plays the physical game, and then you talk about that game and. You know, when you say like, well, so what would you get out of this? And someone's able to say, well, maybe I don't have to throw out what is thrown at me. Mm. Like that's life altering yeah. shit, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. And through throwing invisible balls. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I m- like room, that. Idea. It's amazing. That idea.
3: <laughs> On that note, we do have to begin to wrap up, though. Mm. That was one. that was. Yeah. Juicy. I, I know. I'm actually I've already decided that I'm going to incorporate that in like every warm-up for yeah i'm
0: already i'm like thinking like and also say i say i have to say Catherine. i have to say martha (laughs) yeah it's the same (laughs) i was like yeah and let's let's remember what's the lineage of how this came to me Mm
3: -hmm. thank you thank you thank you Mm -hmm. um so what we need to know is how you, if you are okay with how the people are listening to know where to find you. That is weird how I phrase that, but
0: no, it makes sense though. It,
3: okay, thank you. Um, please let the people know how and where they can find you, and if you have anything that's coming up next. This might be one of the first episodes of 2020, based off how um, this is kind of set up. But I just want to put that into
4: perspective
1: yeah um my website is com, and um i do actually we we are recording in december and i have a show this friday in new york um but it will also it'll be traveling to philadelphia uh january 18th um and so you can go to my website again katherinekabine.com uh to find out more about that um and uh yeah i'm on facebook and instagram and all that all that jazz i'm searching easy to find yeah Yeah.
3: all the information will be in the description box wherever you are listening melanie what's going on with you
0: not much i'm gonna keep nursing this cold until it goes away that's real that's it that's real i mean that's not it but
3: But yeah yeah um check out our websites um i would say i really don't know when this is coming out but i would just go over some things that may have already happened or are happening soon <laughs> um uh i'm moderating the black masculinity and dance uh panel with uh panelists orlando and ricardo of brotherhood dance thomas de france and dubois keen at gibney on january 6th yes at like let's say 7 p.m i think that is rsvp in the description box wherever you're listening and i have a show at um Triskelian doing an improvisation thing there's a series of um, performances and improvisation on January 9th I believe um, but again go to jbui.com if you're not sure you can also follow me at jbui or at j underscore on Instagram that's basically the things yeah um, thank you for listening to another ep- oh no oh we have to do our dance union has and then yeah, we I'll do, do the, the thing so anybody have a burning one because I have one
1: I, I have a burning okay. one um, um my dance union has totally gotten over this antiquated idea that teachers only teach because they can't actually perform, yes. which creates a hierarchy mm-hmm. and then makes people only teach for money and not as a creative act. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that yeah, my dance union really expects uh, respects educators yes. as creative artists. Boom. <laughs> like
3: okay yeah my dance team that was wonderful my dance union has um has classes to help I, I subsidize the only word that comes up but there's another one to have subsidized the uh pedagogical education that you got in your um in your certification to include like in all the things that we kind of talked about in this thing mm-hmm. but the in student-centered learning nice mm-hmm. words yes <laughs>
0: My Dance Union has a resource guide for homeopathic remedies to take care of yourself post, pre, and after sickness. Ooh. So post, yeah. pre, and after,
3: I love it. Right, So right. we can do
0: we can be proactive rather than reactive, you know.
3: Boom. Okay. In
0: all things, and, right? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> and L I F E.
3: <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dance Union podcast. Um, you can listen to us on almost every podcast streaming service except for Title um and (laughs) you can follow us on every social media platform that you can stalk your exes on or walk alongside of
0: i want to say walk alongside you can walk alongside me on my ig
3: yeah but i mean some people like to stalk their exes and i've let them like they know what they use social media for so i'm like while you're there take a just peruse over to the dancing this will be another
0: conversation i'm thinking like why do we call them followers followers oh yeah, we'll get to that. yeah
3: um and you can follow us at the dance union that's t-h-e-d-a-n-c-e-u-n-i-o-u-n both facebook and instagram as well as you can send us any questions comments or concerns at the dance union podcast at gmail.com all spelled out one word um i think that's basically oh we might have a website by now I don't know what's gonna be, but just check the description box. It might be like a little Aww. website thing for the dance union. Go ahead and check the things out. I, I, I might, I might be really excited by the time I like put this thing out and get to, I like making websites. Yeah, it's a little fun pastime thing. Um, okay, that's basically it. So let's get on out of here. Five, six, seven, eight. We, we out. out. I know it didn't really set you up, Captain. That's fine. We'll do it again. Take Catherine two. Captain in the cut. Boop. All right. Five, six, seven, eight. We, we, we out. out. Thank you so much. <laughs> I
0: really think
2: I'm a key people <laughs> at like, huh? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs>